Welcome to the Procurement Games Podcast and Open Conversations, where we post a question, is the field ever leveled in our favor? Of course, we are talking about procurement and contracting of minority women and veteran-owned small businesses deemed to be the underutilized firms in government and private corporation contracting. So, my name is Arlen Pingle, and I am a proud Filipina-American entrepreneur. I lead Mackey Company, a strategic consulting organization focused on procurement supply chain management. We basically help government agencies and private companies design race, ethnic, and gender-conscious contract policies and procedures. More importantly, we help folks like you build capacity, capability, and sustainability. Now, as I mentioned before, this is not a platform to gripe. We are sharing your stories and experiences, but we also want to share how the system works and more importantly, how to beat it. And if we can find a way to generate solutions that make sense for you, we will do that too. In this Procurement Games podcast and open conversation episode, we are changing things up. We have invited an industry trailblazer to our show. Now, how do we define trailblazers? Well, these are the individuals and organizations paving the way to change how they work with minorities, women, and veterans. We look to add trailblazers to our podcast because they are a part of the procurement ecosystem. And we want you, our listeners, to know and learn about the programs they offer so that you can best position yourself for the win. Today, we have Ramona Wilson, Supplier Diversity Manager of 3M. Welcome to the studios, Ramona. How are you today? I am doing well, Lynn. When I think about who are the trailblazers, I think of someone like yourself who has been in the industry. Before we get started in relation to what 3M is about and what programs they have in place for minority, small, and women-owned businesses, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So what got you into diversity? Tell me a little bit about the background, and then we'll talk about some of the challenges that you face as a DEI advocate in the communities. What is Ramona about? Well, Lynn, I've been doing this for over 15 years now, so it's been a, a long journey, but a worthwhile journey. My career goes back to when I first started with what was then NSP at an entry-level position, but soon after was able to consider the supplier diversity program at NSP Excel Energy now where I was able to really get a really good grasp on the minority and women-owned business program. It is a passion of mine, and people will tell you it is a passion of mine because it is something that I think, for me, um, I can see where it provides great community opportunity to be involved in this program and to help the community from an economic development standpoint. And so I wanted to make sure that women and minority had an opportunity to be treated fair by being able to bid in our processes. Soon after leaving Excel due, due to a reorg, I went to work for a nonprofit um, working with homeless youth. What small businesses weren't aware of is that that was probably their niche market to do business in those nonprofits. And then went to work for Knutson Construction. Knutson, great company, um, general contractor here, a major general contractor here in the Twin Cities. In that role, I was the DNI manager and then became the director of DNI, really building their workforce recruitment program 
also their supplier diversity program, and then training and development. I spent eight years with Knutson. Now I'm at 3M, helping them, like I call it, re-engineer their diversity supplier diversity program. Being a part of it now and starting to really see the work that they want to do and they're putting in place to make this happen within the organization, not just from a supplier diversity standpoint, but as part of their overall DNI strategy is so encouraging to me. As a result of the George Floyd situation here in the Twin Cities, 3M really came on board and said we have to do something constructive and being involved in our communities and how we get out there. So in the 15 years, it could not have been all roses. No, right? and it isn't. <laughs> it, it, you know, one thing I say to people that are that have an interest in being in supplier diversity, you have to come in there with the willingness to take a risk. But if you're committed to it and if you have the passion for it, you will also see the rewards of it as well. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's It takes a certain personality. It takes a certain heart. It takes a certain level of finesse and thick-skinned to be in DEI, let alone advocating. We as advocates, we as have to separate to ensure that we are leading them to the right path and not be seen as barriers ourselves or gatekeepers in DEI, how do you challenge the conversation of you are a token for a white-owned firm? How, 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 do you, how do you stop that in its tracks and say, I am not a token? Absolutely. Good question. And believe me, we deal with it all the time, especially when I went to join Knudsen. People would oftentimes ask me why. They didn't think that Knudsen was sincere about it because they had not more involved in their community as well as they could have been. Are you just going to be smoke and mirrors for the company or are you going to really put some things in place? So for me, I had to come to terms that someone has to be the first, so it might as well be me. As we know, Colin Powell said those words as well. Mm -hmm. Someone has to be the first, so it might as well be me. And I did. But you have to be able to prove yourself, too. Sometimes when people get in this role, because of the topic, it can be uncomfortable for people. And people just don't know how to respond to it. So you have to really educate yourself and become really familiar with what does supplier diversity mean. It is not a social program by any means, because that is kind of the stigma it gets a lot of times. So you have to make that clear to people. You have to be able to bring that business aspect to the table. It isn't a feel-good thing, but if you do feel good along the way, that's okay too. And we know what's happening in our communities. We know based on the census where the growth is from a diversity standpoint. And these businesses are starting to understand that we gotta get prepared for the future workforce. You know, and those are the facts. So rely on the facts and be able to position yourself in a good way because there's nothing more frustrating for small businesses that people in this role that claim to be advocates and then we turn out to be nothing more than gatekeepers. I think it's a disservice to this role. Well, you know, interestingly enough, Ramona, I have a a slew of questions (laughs) to ask you here. And as I'm going through it, the next one that pops up is passion. And I think in just in the last three or four minutes, we heard that. It is really your desire and your commitment to ensure that minorities, women, veterans, and small businesses are included and addressed in the ecosystem. And for me, that resonates. And I think our audience most definitely heard you have the passion to do diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I appreciate that little bit about you. Let's talk about 3M. Who are they? 
what do they do exactly? I mean, you know, I know 3M as uh, scotch tape and post-it notes, you know, <laughs> but I think there's probably more to scotch tape and post-it notes and sticky stuff. Tell me a little bit about what they focus on and having you on the team and having the new director. What does that mean? to small minority women and veteran-owned small businesses. 3M has about over 90,000 employees. I came from an organization that had maybe at at best 300. That was an eye-opener for me. And they're all around the world. To answer your question around the diversity and inclusion in general, the commitment that I've seen at the top, the executives are so on board with this entire DNI strategy, including supplier diversity. And they speak to it all the time. Tell me how the CEO of 3M, who leads 90,000 employees, how does he really feel about DEI? Like, what is it like to hear him talk about DEI? Is it is it a front or is it sincere about it? Because that's DEI, again, starts at the core. Absolutely. Mike Roman, who is our CEO, he is always talking in some realm about DNI, including supplier diversity. He's oftentimes talking about why it's important to the company. He puts out statements on why it's important to our organization and what have you. And I think just the fact that he has individuals of color that are reflected. Part of his leadership team speaks highly as well. He is definitely showing us by walking the talk. And so that's important. I really think you're right. Absolutely right. You have to have your top level leadership team involved. And he is definitely involved and committed to this DNI effort. I'm amazed at how much it is resonating from the top down in that organization, considering how large it is and that it is international company, a global company. They have put dedicated resources, like I said, created a social justice department, hired a new DNI VP, I believe James Mormon is at this point. They are, as we speak, invested in an additional position in supplier diversity. Then we also hired a individual in the social justice area, Lynette Simer, who is going to be doing the business development program for supplier diversity as well. So they are definitely invested in making sure that this um, program and our DNI strategy is successful. The magnitude of investment that 3M is making is so impressive to me. And everybody is speaking the same language. We know that equity and inclusion cannot happen unless the buy-in starts from the core. Lead officers, your presidents, your CEOs, and their board is not on board with it, and it's lip service. The rest of the company will deliver lip service. What are some of the creative innovation that they're doing to make sure that we're included? Because we know that the big companies can cut a check Mm -hmm. and say, here, towards innovation. And, oh, yes, we contributed. To make it easy for you, they're investing in people, resources like myself, to make it happen, to bring those suppliers that can bring those innovative ideas to the table. Sustainability is extremely important at 3M. So I think sustainability is a great opportunity for any supplier that wants to be a part of 3M. But it's my responsibility, our responsibility in supplier diversity to provide that access for you, to get to know what your products and services are. And I think sometimes as supplier diversity practitioners, we tend to forget that in this role, (laughs) that you have to advocate for these folks and let them know and be available. I know we get tons of calls. I get it. Uh, Tons of emails. 
But at some point, we have to open our doors and be available to them. I love that because that's our roundabout way to say for those other DEI, mm -hmm. connect with who's in the market, mm -hmm. understand who is, who is there and what they can do and then build that relationship absolutely and i can tell you i've i've uh, spoken to 1500 entrepreneurs and businesses worldwide and it's about relationship and network and networking is not you know a meeting that you go to once a month and you just shake hands and you pass business cards anymore networking is hand in hand with relationship building advocacy means something different for all of us it does right yeah, you absolutely. advocating for len is different from advocating for mm -hmm. the next entrepreneur and and unless you know what I do, how can you passively Absolutely. cheer me on, Absolutely. right? And I think for small businesses, that's that's what we want. Mm -hmm. We want a champion who is on the inside, right? And if you happen to be a woman or a person of color, holy cow, even better for us. Let me talk about some programs. Specifically, what about the rest of our small minority women veteran-owned listeners out there. How can they get into the program? What does that journey look like for them? And how successful has it been? We're in the process of transforming our supplier diversity program as we speak. Invested in recently, 3M is someone to help us coordinate discussions with our category folks. Courtney coming on board recently to help us manage and coordinate, provide access for us. And so we don't have to do that legwork. One of the things, and I know this is going to be your next question, Lynn, <laughs> is how do they get involved? The best way is to definitely go to our website. Your information goes into, if you will, our portal. And we update our portal. Um, we actually go in there on a regular basis to make sure that we are looking at who's in that portal, sharing it with our category folks. And so everybody get on 3m.com. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Look for their supplier diversity drop down mm -hmm. on the menu and, go ahead and uh, yeah, do that. Also on our website, Ramona's information, you can find and you can certainly connect with her direct. Just go to procurement game org and that's where we find Ramona. So let me shift gears a little bit here. Let's talk about the industry, right? The industry in which are minority women, veteran and uh, own small businesses and mm -hmm. how that looks like. So you are in a nonprofit, you've been in for-profit, you've been in construction. And so now 3M is a manufacturing organization. I'd say you've tapped into some pretty hefty industries and you have a different set of lenses that you operate on. What's lacking? What is what is going on in the in the industry that is so challenging for historically marginalized firms to penetrate? Hmm, good question. One of the things I, I really do think that's a hindrance for them, and it's just overall in, in any industry, does it's just the market itself. But you heard it all the time was access to capital and cash flow. The small businesses, it is difficult for them to manage in the 90-day pay period. It is. So we need to do what we can to expedite those payment periods when they're doing business with us. And we can. One of the things programs that we are rolling out at 3M is a called supply chain finance program. It's going to be able to offer diverse businesses that are in a 90-day payment, be able to expedite payments and turn around to 45. No, actually less than that, maybe about 10 days 
if I remember correctly, to get payment um, to be a part of this program. This is one of the things I think that we in supplier diversities have to be able to understand our organizations and what how we can leverage those resources internally. Pay cash flow is a major issue. Absolutely. So we need to help in that capacity. We see it. We see it in the diversity studies. We see it in surveys out the wazoo. We see it in and hear it in listening sessions. Access to capital. But no one has really defined what is access to capital because mm -hmm. small businesses don't want to go borrow money, mm -mm. right? They don't want to deal with banks and, and they don't want to deal with credit. They don't want to do with all of that stuff. The quickest way to help us with, quote, access to capital is to pay us sooner than the 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, and 90 days. So I was excited that we're, that's something we will be rolling out. Let us know when and how, and we'll spread the word, most we'll definitely do. to all of our listeners. So that's one way 3M is addressing access to capital is shortening that time frame of payment mm -hmm. for our small businesses. Given this platform, Everybody talks about low-hanging fruit. Let me just go there. Right? <laughs> so, low-hanging fruit. And I end the show every time. Go after the low-hanging fruit. That's money to be made, but please look up because guess what? That tree is full of ripening fruit. So for the purpose of low-hanging fruit definition, what's available now? Where are the spend dollars where our listeners who are suppliers, service providers, and such, what opportunities exist now? Well, because I'm in the midst of developing their 2022 budget, so I want to see where those opportunities are, as you stated. I know marketing, IT, and um, packaging, we were working on that bidding process just recently. We identified $29 million additional dollars wow. in, for minority businesses in marketing and packaging. So, $29 uh, million, folks, yes, if you're 20, in marketing yep. and packaging, y'all need to reach out to 3M. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't exactly. mean to cut you off there, but 29 million is not chump right. change. Absolutely. And that's just two categories. Right. The fact that marketing, community yep. engagement and outreach and, and yep. that type of stuff and promotions probably of mm -hmm. your own products if we, and advertisers and things like that. So again, to our listeners, if you are out there, most definitely something that um, we we should connect you with with 3M. Chemicals as well. Chemicals. Chemicals. Yep. Okay, there you go. One of the things that I do as a policy developer for private corporations and government agencies is really honing in on who's available in the market and what dollars the corporation or the government agencies has spent for that particular line item. Mm -hmm. So th what mechanisms does 3M have in setting goals for historically marginalized firms. We do do goals. As a matter of fact, like I said, we're in that transformation phase for this program. We are not quite there yet, but I will tell you, because you know, I'm not the most patient person. <laughs> By next year, these things will definitely be in place for 3M. And as part of this transformation, moving it from compliance, the mindset of compliance, to now becoming a corporate initiative for 3M. What this podcast is really doing, be going beyond the voices of our entrepreneurs is really hearing also the the back end work mm -hmm. that the supplier team the DEI team the you know the procurement teams of of these big organizations and government agencies are are really doing and you know corporations and government agencies they're not without flaws mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. they faltered in their DEI. I am working with several corporations that are unpacking their DEI as we speak because they have not been effective. Right. 
when I think about how 3M is putting this game plan together with you in play, it's it's hopeful. And again, I take, you know, four or five steps back because I sit here and go, I want to see how it's going to get executed. And I'm yes. really inspired to hear that 3M is really doing something intentional. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the successes of what that program looks like. And moving past the goals, let's talk about how effective the program has been. What's been working for 3M? I get that you're revamping, but it's not like you haven't spent money on small minority women mm-hmm. and veteran business. You've mm-hmm. spent money on there. Mm-hmm. So what has success looked like for us minority women, veteran-owned businesses in 3M to date? When the community is talking about you, Faber, we know the Twin Cities here, this is a small community, regardless of you're Minneapolis or St. Paul. And if your name is out there branded uh, in the community, you will know it. Now, Ramona... You know, there's been statements I've read in the public that states 3M is looking to double the spend in the next year or so. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, we are looking to double our spend in the next 10 years. And we are, 3M's program is very focused on compliance. And we know that we can do better in the MWBE space. And we are going to do better because our our leadership team is committed to do better. So, um, as you said, Lynn, this was a place for us to look at and start with doubling the spend. I would almost guess it will probably be even more than that. And if we're going to be world class, you're going to have to accelerate that a little bit more than probably doubling our spend. And we know we can be world class because we have the resources and the commitment to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I'll, I'll just personally challenge you because if you're in there, you're going to make this happen. <laughs> (laughs) less than 10 years right Right, exactly i'm sure everybody's sitting here going no ramona's a trailblazer and and we're going to try to nip that in the next 10 years or less and and i think that not being in 3m not not truly being in there like you are i think that it's commendable that the program is coming together and that they're putting something in place and you know compliance in procurement and supplier diversity i'm not even sure how the two got married you know, I, I think it's time to divorce compliance uh, oh to gosh. a degree. Yes. Or maybe not divorce it entirely, but it, let's let's have a vacation from each right. other and see if we can run supplier diversity, equity, and inclusion with compliance in the background instead of the front. It becomes a it's a, it's a reporting activity that's part of supplier diversity, Absolutely. and it should not be driving your initiative within your company. It's, at all and that's where we're, the direction we're going. and you know we've covered a lot of topics mm-hmm. and it's really really awesome to hear how well you're doing there and how well 3m is really going to push forward i know earlier we talked about how our historically marginalized firms can get in with 3m but we also talked about relationships and networking and i know i pushed our listeners to contact you through procurementgames.org but what is their journey when they send ramona wilson at 3m an email what does that interaction look like for them for me i you know i tend to to find out who is the category owner if you will within our organization so i'm going to find out if there's an opportunity for you or not because you know i don't to be in this position if i was a small business it's just being held kept in the dark so i try to make as much effort as possible 
to make sure I reach out. Once I find out who is responsible for that particular category, I would forward your email to them and say, hey, receive this email. Let me know if there's any opportunity. See the information attached. If there isn't any opportunity, also let me know that. So someone is getting back to that supplier in some capacity and what have you. One thing I want to encourage people to do is make sure that they do get certified. I mean, you guys probably already know this anyways. We want to make sure that we're providing the best value as relates to minority and women-owned business and veteran-owned businesses. So we want to be able to give that business to the appropriate business, if you will. And so we're going to use certification as part of our program, and it is. So make sure you do that um, because we're going to make sure you are valid in who you say you are and doing business with us. But my job is to make sure, again, that I am sending that information to the key people, individuals that are making those bidding decisions. And with that, we end the first series of Trailblazer Stories. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Procurement Games Podcast and Open Conversation. I'm sure that, like myself, you got insights about this trailblazer that gave you some ahas. To our listeners, I hope you took notes and will take advantage of the important information and program opportunities shared today. We look to host another Trailblazer in the next coming weeks. Next week, we are going to take a break for the holiday season and give our production team time with their families. We're also going to be working on the launch of our YouTube channel, also called Procurement Games, where we will live stream our conversation and discussions that we've had over the last few weeks, setting up the platform to open our conversations to you, our audience, to discuss your stories and whatever ails you in your procurement journey. Look for the first episode on Tuesday, January 11th at 9 a.m., where my co-host, Jared Peterson, and I will kick off this open conversation platform. We wish you the merriest of holidays and a happy and prosperous 2022. Stay safe and remember, go after that low-hanging fruit, but don't forget to look up and see that tree filled with ripening ones. Until next time.